I woke up the other morning to a news alert that Dexcom and Google had entered into some sort of a business relationship. And I clicked through a couple of links and found the press release from Dexcom where they were saying things that I was excited about. Uh, Things like, this partnership has the potential to change the face of diabetes technology forever. And working together, we believe we can introduce products that will move us beyond our core type 1 business to become the standard of care for all people living with type 1 diabetes. Just talking about bandage size sensors um, and and things, you know, things that I, I wasn't sure how possible those things were in, in a short amount of time, but apparently the idea of taking Google's life sciences department and melding it together with Dexcom's ability to, um, I think be, be the, the industry leader in, in glucose sensing technology. You put these two things together and all of a sudden I'm really excited. So I put, um, some quotes from the press release and links to the press release, uh, press release on my blog at ardensday.com. And it quickly becomes one of the most popular blog posts I've, I've had in, in quite some time. So that gets me thinking, and I reach out to Dexcom and, and ask if I can interview somebody at the company about the, uh, about the announcement. And they don't just give me somebody to, enter, to, to talk to. They give me the CEO, Kevin Sayer, and say, Kevin would love to talk to you. And I have to admit, like when I first got the email back, I thought, oh, this is going to be probably a guarded conversation. You know, we, we like to keep things loose on the podcast and real conversational. I wonder how much he's going to worry about things he can and can't say. And, and boy, I'll tell you, that did not happen. Kevin Sayer is a candid guy. He is someone who I think feels very strongly about what he's doing and wants nothing more than to help the people in the type 1 diabetes community and the diabetes community in general. So I go to Facebook and I let everyone know that I'm going to have this conversation with Kevin in a couple of days. And I say, hey, if you've got any questions, you know what, put them here and I'll try to my best to ask them. So we talked about adhesive, Android, Google, Apple Watch, pump integration, Medicare, Medicaid, Kevin did not back down on one of the things that you asked me to ask him about, and he was thorough. I mean, you're going to hear him call out pump companies for not putting enough money into research and development. You are going to hear him speak candidly about Android and why it may not happen as quickly as you want it to. He talks about the FDA. It really is, you are going to have an eye-opening hour listening to Kevin talk about the ins and outs of glucose sensing technology, the business behind it, the technology behind it. And, and I just think let's just get going because you're, you're going to really like this. This is episode 27 of the juice box podcast. Dexcom CEO, Kevin Sayer. Remember that nothing you hear on the juice box podcast is to be considered in any way advice, medical or otherwise. That's pretty much it, guys. Um, Other than to say thanks for supporting the podcast, because making the podcast popular, making the blog popular is what made it possible for me to speak with Kevin. So um, let's hear what he had to say. Hi, this is Scott Benner. I'm calling to do an interview with Kevin that's been scheduled. 
And your name again? I'm sorry. It's Scott Benner. Can you hear me? Okay, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, it's a little. It's yeah, it's a little. Um, Would you call it? That's dim? okay. Is this a little better? Hold on, just yeah, that's a lot better. Excellent. Okay, hold on, just a moment. Thanks so much. Reorder specialist next. I'm on hold. Thank you for calling Dexcom, the glucose sensor company. Founded in 1999, Dexcom remains focused on developing state-of-the-art sensors. Today, our sensor technology continues to improve with the introduction of our latest product, Dexcom G4 Platinum. Now in our second decade, Dexcom is committed to delivering best-in-class products and support services to patients and customers. To learn more about our leading-edge technologies, visit our website, Dexcom.com. Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, Scott Benner. Scott, how are you? Great, thank you. How are you? Very good, thank you. Listen, in an interest in not taking up too much of your time, I'll do like a cold open later and introduce you and everything, so we don't have to go through any of that. Um, okay. I just really appreciate having you here, and thanks for taking the time out. I um, I thought to reach out because the other day the the announcement came out from you guys about Google and and your relationship with Google, and I posted little bits of the press of um the press release on my blog. And by noon or one o'clock, Facebook was telling me that my post that was trying to direct people to that information was nine hundred and ninety nine percent more popular than any other post I've ever put on Facebook. <laughs> And then the hits kept coming, and, and the blog just got crushed with, with people who were just very genuinely excited that you had this new relationship with Google. And, and that made me thought that, think that maybe this was a really good time to reach out and talk to you right now, because what I'm seeing is that even though, I mean, listen, the announcement's fantastic, and I can't wait to hear what's going to come from it, but at the moment, it's really just an announcement. And, That's all today. Right, right. And, and so... I think it's a great indication of two things. A, how excited people are about the product that you make, and, and B, how much they need help. Um, so I thought, well... I, I, agree. I agree with both of those. Yeah. So, so then the next day or two, I, when, I, when we got this set up, I put another post on Facebook, and I said, hey, I'm going to get to talk to Kevin Sayer from, um, from Dexcom. If anybody's got any questions, put them here. And that, uh, Facebook tells me, is 300% more popular than most of the things that I post on Facebook. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I have to admit, I've, I've looked at your website. I've not looked at your, uh, your Facebook page. I'm, I'm, I'm not a very good Facebooker. Well, I'm not either. To be honest, I just use the Facebook to let people know their stuff on the blog. So um, maybe that's partly my fault. But... I don't want to inundate you with a thousand questions, but I do want to talk for a little bit and drop in as many of them as I can. You know what? I, I'm very good. You, you, can, you, can, you can roll through them if you want to? I can, I can roll through whatever you throw at me. Okay. So just, you know, take your time and let's, uh, let's do this right. I want to... I really appreciate that. Thank you. I think everybody else is going to also. Um, well, to start off, I'm sure that my story... For you, if I told you about my daughter and, and our, t our time with, with Dexcom, wouldn't be much different than anyone else's. It's, um, you know, my daughter's diagnosed. Her A1C is in the nines. 
you know, we, we start figuring things out with, with injections. We get it into the, you know, the low nines, the high eights. She gets an insulin pump. We get an Omnipod. I get it into the mid sevens. And then we're stuck. I can't, I can't seem to do any better no matter what I do. Um, I find out about Dexcom. I think we started with a seven plus and then the A1C has been falling consistently since then. Her last one was 6.1. The one before that was 5.9. And she's, she's pretty close to the rest of us. I, I tell people sometimes her A1C is probably as good as yours is. Um, but that's but, impressive. But, but, and that's very kind of you to say, but it's not that, I don't want to say it's not difficult, but once I had the, the information coming out of the CGM, it was far less difficult. It was, you know, um, pre-bolusing is now something that is, a, is an absolute part of every time we do it to the point where we even pre-bolus when Arden's at school by almost 30 minutes before her lunch. Um, you know, and being able to track highs and lows is one thing, but having the confidence to react kind of boldly with insulin to a high blood sugar, knowing that if you overreact, you can catch it. I'm a big believer that it's easier to affect a low than it is to affect a high. And, 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 and so knowing that I have that power now, it just, it just opened up the management to me in a different way. Um, you know, between that and overnight hours, you know, I, I don't know how long it took me to realize that nobody eats when they're sleeping. And that it, you know, if we aren't all trying to sleep, managing diabetes might be pretty easy when people are sleeping. Um, but it, I couldn't get comfortable with a with a with a reasonable blood sugar. You know, everybody always shoots a little high. Like I'll keep it at one hundred and fifty. That seems safe. Um, but with 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 your product with a, with a Dexcom CGM, I mean, Arden is frequently eighty five overnight, or ninety, or one hundred and one, and I think nothing of it. Um, as long as it's a steady number to go to sleep and that, and that's starting to change my life. So, um, I can't thank you enough and trust me from the responses. There are people here who want me to hug you. I don't think they understood that I wasn't going to be with you. Um, but, but everyone that came in with a question also said, thank you. So I have to tell you, that is the greatest part of my job here because the effect we have on people's lives in real time, in, in, in real, real life. And, and the stories that I hear, and even when somebody calls, and, and I do take, if somebody has a bad experience, I, I will jump in and take a call from time to time. Mm-hmm. If I get an email from somebody's upset, I call them frequently or I respond back. I had a very upset Android patient a couple of weeks ago. He said he was as loyal to Android as he was Dexcom and he didn't think he could work with us anymore. And I wrote him a half page letter as to why we've made the decisions we've made. And he writes back, he goes, wow, that was a little more than I was expecting. I guess I will stick with you guys, but (laughs) it's so, it's so refreshing and it does make such a difference. You can't, the rest of the world who's not involved in type one diabetes really doesn't understand what you guys have to deal with as parents and what you're doing daughter has to deal with on a daily basis. The changes, the things that can change in a day, you can do the same workout, eat the same foods at the same time every day and have completely different results based on stress or whatever's going. The only way to deal with this is with CGM. Yeah. And, and so I, I just, it, it's so wonderful to have a company focused on something and we only focus, we only do one thing. Right. 
you know, people keep asking us, what, what, what's your next thing you're going to measure? And I look at them and say, glucose. Yeah. Well, and that's comforting <laughs> for us. It, it really is. Glucose. You, you just keep measuring glucose. Um, so do you want me to talk about the Google deal first? Do you want me to talk about what Dexcom's working on? Where do you want to go? I think that's, you know, since it got us into the conversation, that, that's a great start. So you guys have made some sort of a, why don't you tell me? Because I don't really know how to. How All right, to... I will. So Google has a new arm. Uh, they have a life sciences group. Mm-hmm. And, and Google is very interested in getting into healthcare. And of all the medical conditions, they studied the one medical condition they looked at that they felt data could play a huge part in is diabetes. They also have electronics engineers, you know, all over the place with respect to what they design for cell phones and batteries, processors, all the things that are in our current transmitter in particular, and some of the things in our receiver. They designed... Uh, a contact lens platform that they licensed in Novartis where actually you could, it was licensed. It can measure different things in the eye, mm-hmm. not just glucose. We don't know how accurate we have our doubts about measuring glucose in tears. We also have our doubts about anybody wearing a contact lens who doesn't have to. Yeah. But they licensed that platform to Novartis. But what came from that is some really tiny microscopic electronics. And so they approached us and said, look, And I'll give you the sentence. They said, let's do something remarkable. Let's take CGM to everybody. And and one of the things, and if I sat down, how old's your daughter? She's 11. She was diagnosed when she was two. Okay. So if I asked your daughter, particularly in four years, what do you want more than anything out of your CGM? She's going to say, I don't want anybody able to see it. I want it smaller. No, I Forget all accuracy and everything else. And, and, and they showed us, and some of it's conceptual, but they showed us some miniaturized concepts and platforms to whereby we think in five years, Scott, we could possibly be making a transmitter the size of a penny and, and two pennies high. Wow. And, and you could make it flesh color and you could put it on your body and no one's ever going to notice. Mm-hmm. And, and as I looked at that, for our patient base, you can imagine our excitement. The other reason we did this is as a company strategically, we're eventually going to have to address the type 2 market as well. And that type 2 market, the majority of those people don't take insulin. We know that the device your daughter wears isn't applicable to a 70-year-old who's taken three pills a day to manage their disease. They, they don't need to CGM. They don't need alerts, alarms, and all the other stuff. But they can greatly benefit from the continuous information that CGM provides. So one of Google's, and, and this is one of the things Google really approached us about, let's go to this patient group as well, and let's figure out a way to get a steady stream of data or a stream of data from these people so we can prevent A1Cs for these people from going through the roof. And I'll give you the perfect example. I was at a trade show many years ago, ago when I first got here, and a doc and I was watching the Sanofi video. Have you been to ADA or any of these shows before? I, in Philly, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm standing across from the Sanofi booth, and it has this continually running video about this patient named Bob, who'd done well for ten years on his oral meds, but all of a sudden his A1C went up to ten, and he noticed he was getting. Uh, having retinopathy issues and everything. And now it's time for Bob to go on insulin. 
and he needs to go on Lantis. And the Sanofi guy, and, and so I had a doctor sitting there talking to me. I'm watching that video. I said, the doctor, I said, tell me how you make that decision for Bob. Well, he says, I've had years of experience. And I said, yeah, but if Bob wore a couple sensors every year, couldn't we figure this out long before that happened? Mm-hmm. Because these type 2 patients, they stick their finger once or twice a day and they move on. They don't do anything else. And, and, and so we think as we look at over the long term, we can go there. Now, where this is great for you, quite honestly, our robust sensor technology platforms aren't going to change for a type 2 intermittent device versus a type 1 patient who needs their data continually. But where they are going to change and where it could change is how often they wear it and the user interface. And so we've sat and discussed with them how we make it less expensive for that patient group because it doesn't have to be perfect. It may not need alerts and alarms. It may not need a reading every five minutes, or we may be able to communicate the readings once an hour. So we're looking at that market segment, but all the things we do will be applicable to the segment of our current patients. So as we sign this deal, we've licensed those microscopic, those real small electronic components, and anything they develop in the future over our relationship to be able to work with our patient base and also to expand us in new markets. That being said, Dexcom is not going to slow down our efforts for our current patient base to get our next innovation that is a transmitter that goes straight to a phone. So we're giving every 11-year-old in the world the ability to go to their parents and say, I want an iPhone now. I don't <laughs> want to carry my receiver anymore. My daughter has had an iPhone since she was in kindergarten. Um, and I think I am probably the bane of most people's existence in my town because of that. Um, and and it, it definitely it definitely um, it makes it a little sexier for her, I think, that she can have a, you know, she can have a cell phone. Um, yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna sell a lot of cell phones along with uh, along with CGMs. So, so we're not gonna deviate. And then our next sensor, we're planning on on taking calibrations down to once a day versus twice a day. Mm-hmm. We're planning on labeling it for ten days rather than seven days. Uh, and and we've also got a new insertion system and ultimately s- smaller tra- I mean transmitters in our own platforms. But, Ultimately, we'd like to migrate our technologies over to the things we develop with Google if all this works properly. Mm-hmm. But we've got five years to figure some of that out, so we're not going to abandon our efforts to run and chase a five-year pipe dream. We're going to stick to our knitting and take care of our patient base while we work on these other technologies and then move them and, and then move over when it makes sense. Ultimately, with their technology, the the sensor would in fact be disposable, the sensor and the transmitter, you'd change the whole thing out every time. Okay. So you, you wouldn't worry about it. And, and that's the vision. Yeah. And, and that's why we signed that. The other, then the, on a product side, the other piece that, that Google can help us with and that we will work with them with, and this isn't as much contractual as just it is common sense. The other thing they're extremely good at is doing something with a steady stream of data. And, we have spent all our money and time trying to make our product the best that we can for our patients, and it's been well spent. But ultimately, this experience for our patient base, for our type 1 patient base, has to become richer, and there should be things that we can learn. You know, Now with our, our Dexcom share, Dexcom receiver with share, we're getting millions of data points every day. There are things we can learn from our patients 
that we can communicate to them that, that will make this experience better. So we, would, we will collaborate with Google on analytics platforms. It's interesting in talking with somebody who doesn't come from the diabetes world about what that would mean. So I'll share an interesting example. We were talking again about type 2 patients. Google knows where you go all day long, as does your iPhone or any other phone that you carry with you. So when you walk into Dunkin' Donuts, we could send you a text message. The last time you walked in here, your blood sugars went to 400. Get out. <laughs> you know, I, I said, yeah. guys, I, 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 don't think, I don't think that's going to work. But analytically, there are things that we can do with them. And, you know, and and so we're looking at, you know, whereas we're very patient-specific analytics-wise and creating that rich experience for patients, they can be, they'll be very good at big population groups. And so creating analyses and models for payers, for example, if we could take all of United Healthcare's patients, once we get all the data going to the cloud and work with Google at patient population management for those people. We think that can enhance our product offering and grow our business and make CGM more accessible to patients as well. So, you know, as we look, and, and, and I guess the final piece of this that we felt was real good for us, because look, we have relationships with a number of companies. We're licensing Google's technology. It's not like they're taking us over. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're licensing our sensor and they're going to go make it. We're licensing theirs. Yeah. And, and, and they, have been very collaborative and have been very interested in diabetes and their ideas while conceptual are very good. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, just a number of things you said there, you know, for, you know working backwards, having all those data points and, and being able to, to help people make decisions that sometimes takes years of living with diabetes till you can make them on the fly. You know, I, I tell people all the time, it's frustrating at first, but then the second, the third, the fourth time you go through the same situation and you start seeing more of the big picture and the, and the aspects of it that you don't understand are there in the beginning. And then one day you can make this great decision about how to bolus for something like a donut. Like my daughter had French toast for breakfast this morning and her blood sugar hasn't been over 140. But that's wow. years of practice on my part and years of of trial and error and, and, you know, trying to get it right and mixing and matching pre boluses and temp basils and, and all that stuff. But, but the point is, is that if you could look at that, if somebody much smarter than me had all that data, it wouldn't have taken them four years to figure it out. I don't think. And, and that's that, right. Yeah. So those are the things that, that, that we're thinking about as we look at futuristic. So we're pretty excited. About yeah, it. absolutely. Um, all right, let me hit you with one of these questions. Let's go with the, um, so I think the most popular question, because I write more of a parenting blog, was why is the pediatric 505 software not available on the pedi- pediatric receivers yet? Or when will they be able to get it? We, we are looking at, at a Gen 5 system approval before the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And that is our transmitter that goes straight to the phone yeah. or to a receiver. We felt that filing and, 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 you know, we look at these things in timeframes and and product launches and, and, and internal resources. We made a decision to commit our internal resources to that filing, and we included the pediatric data from 505 with the Gen 5 filing. So when the Gen 5 system is approved before the end of the year, it will be approved for pediatrics and adults, and it will include the 505 software for the pediatric patients. So, ex- so the pediatric 
patients will then upgrade when they get their Gen 5 transmitter and they'll be fine and they'll have the 505 software. Yeah. So you did this for expedience on the FDA side. So you didn't. And and efficiency on our own. Okay. Okay. Um, A lot of people would like to know if you are constantly working on the development and redevelopment of the adhesive that holds um, the Dexcom on their skin. There's, There's some people, I don't think it's. I mean, I obviously don't have any real data, but from what I hear from people, the people who do experience like rashing and dry skin, when they experience it, it's it's kind of severe. Um, and, I, and they're wondering to know if that's something you guys are working on or if you think Google can help with They won't help us with that. That'll be our doing. And we are working on alternative tapes mm-hmm. uh, and, and testing them. Okay. And the tape complaints file, fall into two buckets. For some, they fall off way too quick, and for others, it gives them the rash and the hives and everything. That's, Ultimately, yeah. what I what I and, and that's a bigger problem to me than falling off because sure. you can eventually find a tape that will stick. I, I, as part of these internal studies, I have to tell you, they put a tape on me and they said, "Wear wear this for a week and see how you like it." Or two weeks, actually, I was wearing it for two weeks, and when I pulled it off in two weeks, it hurt so bad. I just went back and said, this will never see the light of day. Put it away. Mm-hmm. It'll kill somebody's skin. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there's a balance. And we are looking at alternative tapes. And, and I would love to say that we can solve the problem. But I, you know, one of the ways it might be solved, and this is interesting, Scott, if that transmitter's smaller, it won't have, or the body-worn component is smaller, it won't have such as big an effect Mm -hmm. on the area where it sits. And we don't know how much effect size and weight and mass and density has on the tape. So our future product generations is, as we make that transmitter smaller and thinner, we might have more tape options. So we are studying tape. Yeah. I don't have a good, I don't have a great answer yet. Okay. My Arden has never had a very severe reaction, but she did start having a problem with the tape in general. And my fix was ended up being very simple. I um, I just sort of followed the European lead, and stopped cleaning the site with alcohol first. So we do a, a soap, a mild soap and water, and and an air dry. And I think what I what I realized one day was I was I was sitting around thinking about like why is she getting these bumps all of a sudden after years of using these these devices and not having any problems, and I was quite literally standing like rubbing my fingers together thinking like like really thinking about it and it struck me how dry my fingers were and and I kept then I kind of switched gears and I was like why are my fingers so dry and I realized like I'm touching alcohol all the time like constantly touching alcohol and I could even see like little bumps and things on my fingers that I didn't have before so I took a leap I talked to our endo and she said well in Europe they they don't clean sites like like we do here and she described to me how they did, and I switched to that, and in years we haven't had an issue. Um, I know and that the people who have real severe reactions, I don't think it's that simple, but um, but but it's a, it's an interesting problem, and it's nice to hear that you're thinking about it. it it's it's interesting to hear you say that because I quit cleaning my sites. <laughs> did you? I, I wipe myself off with soap and water. Uh, I don't have diabetes. I wear these to test them. Mm-hmm. So I have to confess, it's not life or death for me. But I and I and I wear over tape over them because I know when I work out and I get on the elliptical four or five times a week, uh, I know full well I'll sweat them off in well, the summer if I don't have over tape. 
Well, that's an interesting. I do very well. Yeah, you just said something. I'm, I want to take a detour for a second. Um, so you wear um, a CGM with frequency. Has it changed? Yeah. Has it changed your the way you eat? Like, are there yeah. foods you won't touch anymore because you saw what they did to your blood sugar? Yeah, there are. Yeah. Um, and, and and timing of foods. I, I I eat very little pasta anymore. Okay. And particularly pasta. Yeah, I eat very little pasta anymore. Yeah, that- I don't eat many bagels. I'm not a thin person by a stretch of the imagination, so let's be clear. I could use some weight loss. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the other thing that I've learned from this is the effect of exercise on my own glucose values. If I have a really good workout in the morning, my glucose levels stay down 10 to 20 points, uh, 10 to 15 points lower all day long, and my spikes from my meals go through my system much faster. You see, that, that's super interesting because there was um, a moment, I'll describe it to you quickly because I think I've described it here before, but a couple of years ago, we were Arden was finally getting old enough to sort of understand her A1C and, and the conversations we were having in front of her endocrinologist, and we got out in the in the parking lot after one of her one of her visits and she asked me is there something i could be doing to make my a1c lower and i said you could stop eating cereal and you know it was one of those things that when she was diagnosed you kind of didn't want to take from her you know yeah. um but but you know in years of fighting and trying to figure out how to combat a spike from you know from breakfast cereal i came to the conclusion that, that there might just not be one and um, and she stopped cold turkey. She doesn't eat, hasn't eaten it for breakfast in a long time. And um, and then I use that as an example when there's other food. Sometimes I'm like, look, you're you're you know we sometimes we get into these conversations like, don't eat this. It's you know it's going to crush your blood sugar. But I try not to talk about it that way. I tell her, look, I wouldn't even eat that based on what I know about about blood sugar because you have diabetes and because I can see your blood sugar, that's now something I won't eat anymore. And that's just, that's really interesting that that happened for you. So So we have a couple of family rules. I'm not allowed to wear sensors on vacation. (laughs) That would be nice. (laughs) I went on vacation once and I kept wanting to talk about my glucose levels and I was told I was really boring. (laughs) So I'm I'm done with that. That's a family rule. Um, but the other thing I've learned, so so I, I, this has given me more empathy for our customers. When I travel lots and I have very little control over these investor dinners and things I attend, yeah. the feedback gets real tiresome. Yeah, I had some bread last night, and yeah, I had a potato, and yeah, I'm going to be high. And you know what? I, I just, I'm tired of, of knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I can also tell you, have you ever watched the show The Biggest Loser on television? Sure. All those people wear our sensors. While they're working out on the on the show. Uh-huh. Oh no kidding. But we spot we give them the 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 stuff. We are not a name sponsor because A, it's an off label use and B, uh, we wouldn't pay them a lot of money. Right. But they found several people with diabetes on the show because of our sensor. And in fact the doctor who runs the medical part of the show told me that we should get out of the diabetes business altogether. And weight loss? And go straight to weight loss. What better way to find somebody's cheating on a diet than a glucose sensor? Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, yeah, it, would, it would tell you in two seconds, too. I mean, it really doesn't take but a couple of minutes for, 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 the, uh, for the Dexcom to let you know that, that, um, that your blood That's sugar is cool. going up. It really is fantastic. Okay, so you mentioned something that will lead into this. A lot of people, more than I expected, 
want to be able to customize their alarms more. They want to be able to set multiple high and low thresholds depending on times of day. They'd like the alarms to be able to make uh, different noises, alarms sometimes and not other times. They want more personalization. And I was wondering if that was something that you had heard or something you were working on. Before Kevin answers that question about personalization with the Dexcom receiver and the alarms, I just want to jump in for a second and let you know that very soon I'm going to be announcing that the podcast, Juicebox Podcast, has its first sponsor, which is really exciting. And I wanted to let you know that having a sponsor for the podcast is in no way going to change the the makeup of the podcast, my opinions, or the free-flowing aspect of the conversation of it. I mean, you are going to hear at the beginning of the podcast, you know, this episode was sponsored by, and you'll probably hear it at the end or the middle somewhere else too. And I might, you know, relate a personal story about the product if I have one. But nonetheless, and I think you guys will be able to hear this if you listen closely to this this episode, my opinions aren't going to change. Um, my ability to say them is not going to change. So um, I just wanted to let you know that it is coming. There will be a sponsor. And every time I'm saying something on the podcast that has been sponsored, you will hear this music in the background so that there is absolutely no confusion. I want you to always know that what I'm saying, if it is sponsored, is sponsored, and you will know by this music. Okay, so from now on going forward, when you hear this music, that means that I'm reading or saying something that has been sponsored. It means I've been paid money to say what I'm saying. No confusion there. And you know what, real quickly, before we get back to uh, Kevin Sayer and his answer about how to customize or or what's going to happen about customization with the Dexcom receiver, let me just remind you that all the music for the Juicebox podcast was written by a 10-year-old girl, composed and performed by Sydney Muller. Thank you very much, Sydney. All right, let's find out what Kevin has to say about customization and the Dexcom. You know what? With the Gen 5 system on the phone, you will be able to set your alarms to a number of different noises. Mm-hmm. And we are working on customization of alarms. It, it's a tricky balance with the agency. I can tell you that early on in this process with CGM, that was kind of a hard request because what, and, and the theory is this, what happens if they mess up and they don't turn them on and then somebody goes low and they come back to you and my alarm is supposed to work with all this interaction. I think we are working on that. And I think our mobile platforms will enable us to do more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the other mitigating circumstances behind that is with our follow app with sharing data. Does your daughter have the receiver that shares data with you guys? Absolutely. I have it on the watch and the phone and an iPad and yeah. yeah. See, now that you can set your alarms and, and, and we have given you a little more flexibility as to when you're alerted, we've learned a lot from that. And, and, and so, yeah, we'll make the alarms more flexible. Well, it makes it's how many? So, I, and, and so I, I don't know what you know about me. I was at Mini Med way back in 1994. I was the chief financial officer there. Okay. And then I, after Medtronic bought us, I was the general manager of the pump business. And I remember when our marketing people came to me and said, we got to have 48 basal rates. And I said, why do we have to have 48 basal rates? Well, the competitor has 24. We want twice as many. <laughs> well, no one's ever using 48 basal rates. 
and and, and that was definitely overkill. Yeah, I think more flexibility is needed. We just need to figure out how to position that. I, yeah, you know, the the meetings I've been in is maybe we give you four or five alarm profiles that you can name yourself and right and turn on and do something like that. Yeah, I and think that would be. I think the, most the perfect way. The one thing I heard people say over and over again is, you know, during the day I'd like to know if my blood sugar goes over X number, but at night I'd be okay if it went fifteen or twenty oh, points wow. higher, like that too. But your point is, I think what gets missed when whenever the public talks about stuff like this, and I have sort of a um, a back a back room look into this because my wife is the director of, of product safety for Novo Nordisk, so I understand okay. about the other side. And it, it, when you were talking a minute ago, it really made me feel like when I get in my car and have to agree every time I drive my car that I understand the navigation system might drive me off a cliff and I should still pay attention. And and um, and that's that's the same idea. It's it's a regulatory committee saying, look, what if someone stops paying attention and drives their car off a cliff? Now it's your fault. I told them to go straight. And you you guys are stuck in the same problem. If if you let me shut off my my low or move it too low and then I have a problem, you're liable at that point. And the FDA is not going to let that happen either. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, So that all makes sense. Uh, Do you spend any time or resources, I imagine you do, but educating doctors about the benefits like i tell people all the time that i imagine there'll be a day that you're diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and you will leave the hospital with a glucose monitor um but that's certainly our goal yeah and 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 so and and that's really the major uh, focus of our external sales team is they call on a lot of endocrinologists and educate them to the benefits benefits of cgm i will tell you the early devices, you go back to seven plus, so mm-hmm. you know, and if you go back to the three day and the seven day, and I go back to sensors in 95, so I, I've been around this stuff for a long time. I think one of the problems we've encountered in this industry is our early devices were just not good enough. And so some of the doctors were a little bit, you know, adopted them very quickly and then were disappointed with the results with their patients. I don't believe that's the case anymore. I think the devices are very good. And, and and much better. There's still an educational curve that we have to go through. We do have some clinics, a few, not a preponderance, where patients leave the hospital with a CGM. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll, I'll tell you how this has changed. Our biggest prescriber of CGM units is a, is a physician back east who didn't prescribe any CGMs at all or very few before our Gen 4 system was launched. And he believed, he honestly believed that a patient to use CGM needed to be in the hospital for seven days under his care at that time before he put a patient on CGM. So you can imagine he might have done 10 of them a year. Right. So then he got the Gen 4 system and put it on a patient and saw how different it was. And now in that clinic, the protocol is you have to justify why a patient is not on CGM versus why they're on it. That sounds better. And, yeah. and and he has changed his whole paradigm and dynamic in treating patients. One of the other problems we encounter with CGM education with physicians, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, they put the patient on a pump first because they've been doing it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And pumps are great. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to speak negatively of pumps, but the fact is you get so much more information 
You don't get any information from a pump. You just deliver insulin. Yeah, Kevin, I tell people all the time, and this is with great deference to my, my daughter's life with using an Omnipod because I find it it's not something I would give away lightly. But if you came to my house and forced me to give back one or the other, I, I and, and I'm, I'm, I'm about to announce in a couple of weeks on the podcast that Omnipod's going to be a sponsor of the podcast, and I'm still telling you I'd give an insulin pump back before a glucose monitor. Yeah. I could make so, out okay. You know. So we've got to do that. I think, you know, if you've looked at our financial statements, we're growing at a very, very rapid rate, you know, 60%, close to 60% every quarter for about 10 quarters. Yeah. And I would tell you, what, there are a lot of doctors getting it, but the other thing that has happened is these patients have had such great experiences. They come back and the doctors are going, wow, that outcome is so good. I need to do more of this. And the other thing that's happening with people like you, patients are becoming more aware and they're walking in saying, I got to have this. Yeah. No. And if you walk into a doctor's office and say, I got to have this, then you're probably going to get it. Yeah. I, I know. I, I've lost track of the stories. I went to my end of appointment this week and said, I read on a blog, this happened and I really want this. And I mean, I've been, I've actually answered an email recently from someone who said, is Dexcom sponsoring your podcast and you're not telling us? And I said, no, not at all. Um, I said, it's just such an integral part of everything I do with my daughter and how all these things I'm trying to tell you, how I make all these things happen, they don't happen without that. And you know, when I, I tell, listen, I tell people stories, my daughter is going into sixth grade in a couple of weeks, Kevin. She has not been in the nurse's office in one, two, three solid years of school. And that's, beca that's because of you. Because we manage back and forth with a cell with text messaging before the before the share even we just had prescribed times a day where i'd be like hey what's your blood sugar and it wasn't stop and test it was look down tell me what your cgm says if we think we need to test then we will and and it affected her education i mean and that's not something you sit in, the, in a meeting and talk about but my daughter was falling behind in mathematics for about a year and a half to the point where we thought Maybe it was just a deficiency with her. And then through a lot of paying attention, we realized that she had a nurse's visit in second grade that coincided every day with the beginning of the math portion of their day. And she, oh was, she was missing about eight to 10 minutes of the lesson and then coming back and the teacher had become so accustomed to her leaving, she never backtracked for Arden. She just kept going. And so... We got a CGM, which made it more comfortable. We talked the school into letting us text from the classroom. And in one year, my daughter sat in our living room with such a smile on her face one day when she realized she understood math just like everyone else. So that's, that is a great story. Isn't that something? Yeah. And it's 100% true. And it doesn't happen without... It doesn't happen without Dexcom. Like it just genuinely doesn't. You know, we, you know, you're not going to let a second grader test her own blood sugar, and, and I can't be sure she washed her hands. And I can, you know, all that stuff's going on. So, you know, you're sending her to the nurse, but now all of a sudden, you know, trends and and not being scared of highs and lows. I could tell you stories. I mean, we could sit here for hours. I could tell you stories all day that are absolutely true. Um, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. So one day, I I would personally like to see people leave with them when they when they get out of the hospital. Okay, here's a lighthearted one. Someone wants to know if you can take your uh, relationship with Apple and get us cheaper watches. I think they're looking I for a... I'll answer that question. I couldn't even do that for me. <laughs> I tried. 
<laughs> so, hey, while well, I've got you on the phone, <laughs> can I get yeah, this stainless steel? Yeah, yeah. Um, just tell them I tried. I tried for myself. <laughs> so, um, and I do wear one also. I love the watch app. I I was on Mad Money with Kramer yesterday, and I showed the watch app on the on the show. Yeah. Are you, are you um, I'm sorry, I broke up there for okay. a second. Um, so since we're talking about it for a second, I, I've actually had a phone conversation with some of your IT guys last month where they called me okay. to get some of my thoughts on things. And um, I told them about lag I was seeing in the watch app, and they told me that they thought that when the iOS update comes on the Apple side in the fall, that that should take care of it. Do you, do I've seen that myself. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it's something about the processing happening on the phone side or something like that. Yeah. And this is very interesting. We're headed into a new space here. Phones are not all the same, even though you've got two iPhone sixes in the same box in in boxes right next to each other. They can behave different. We have learned. Yeah. Yeah, Because they have different, they, you have different apps loaded on them, which affects the operating system in ways you, you don't even realize. And, Yep. And so these things are going to ha- it's it's very true. So, um, okay. So this leads us right into the the thing that everyone asked about, um, and you alluded to it in the beginning. So maybe since you've already typed it out, you can you can probably say it out loud just as easy. Can you explain to people because I think I know why, but when I try to explain it, I don't have enough details. What what makes the Android app difficult, and why is it going to now wait until the G five until it's available? Okay, so first of all, and I'll give you a bit of a of a history here. Um, when we started in two thousand nine with the FDA about mobile platforms, and give me just one second, I got to grab something. Please, I'm going to take a drink while you do that. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. When we started in two thousand nine, the FDA said to us. The cell towers for Verizon and AT&T also become class three medical devices. You will have to include that in your quality system. <laughs> Did and, you say, and, no, thank you. We don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and as we got closer and as we, we started learning, the first thing we learned is it is much easier. To, one of the FDA's big concerns and considerations was cybersecurity related to the apps. Mm-hmm. Well, apps are much more secure in an iOS environment than they are in an Android environment. Okay. As far as as hackers, we can protect we can protect our apps more. There. The other reason we started in the iOS environment in Alcander, every time I go to a meeting or any of our marketing people or anybody, we ask by show of hands, what phone do you use? Apple, Android. Yep. Our preponderance of patients was Apple. The other piece uh, with this, and, and for us, is just resources. How many resources do we have? And we made the commitment to go iOS first. Now, all that being said, we do need Android alternatives. G5, the first version of G5 is going to be an Apple app, and then Android will follow. But here's another Android thing that you wouldn't know that I didn't know till a few weeks ago. So you can line up an LG phone and a Samsung phone and a Motorola phone, and what have you, and they will all interact different with the Bluetooth transmission. Hmm. And so while they all run the Android operating system, the actual hardware of the Bluetooth chips within those phones is different. So we have some difficult Android 
we have some Android decisions we have to make. We made the iOS decision first because that was a preponderance of our patients, and it was easier to make it secure that way. Our Google arrangement, obviously, they can give us more insight to Android, which would be helpful. It's not going to take away from our Apple relationship, but that's but that's kind of where we are, and that's how we made those decisions. Yeah, it, it and. And I think the reason why people are so upset, not, not because they have, I mean, not that people don't have allegiances to their cell phones. I'm sure they do. The reason that I think it, it, it people want it so quickly is, I will tell you that when it first was available, I got like a little scared. Like, not for me, but for other people. I thought there's, I thought, gosh, I started imagining people with their cell phones out at work, staring at their kids' blood sugar obsessively all day. And I, yeah. I, I imagined it ruining lives. And while I'm sure that does happen to a sparse few people, most people have made the adjustment. You know, technology changes so quickly nowadays, people really do adjust to it quickly. Most people I hear from and see online and, and in my personal life, the adjustment happened very quickly. It's become very organic. I don't spend a lot of time looking at my phone. As a matter of fact, the, the only real times I was opening my phone was to see the blood sugar. And now, you know, with the watch app, that even takes that away, which is giving me back valuable moments in my life because you don't fall down rabbit holes because you're not in your phone anymore. You know, you just kind of look at what you need and you look away. Um, and now that, now that I have this information um, and it's, it's mobile like this, it's on my cell phone, I am reclaiming my sleep patterns. I'm reclaiming my, my moment to moment sanity. And, and what I mean by that is, is, um, for anybody who doesn't have a glucose monitor, who doesn't have the ability to see it, you know, remotely when, when somebody they love is wearing it, there, there's a moment when you, you get type one diabetes, it feels like someone takes you out in the middle of a, of a dark forest and puts you in a cabin by yourself and says, look, at some point, a wolf is going to come and try to eat you. But we've given you a couple of tools here. You can keep the wolf at bay. You'll never be able to kill it, but you can drive it off and it'll come back another day. Now, here's the thing. All I can tell you is it's coming. I don't know what day or what time. And then they leave and shut the door and you are by yourself in the middle of this dark forest. And all you can think about is, is it going to happen now? Is it going to happen now? Is it gonna, Maybe it's going to happen now. Maybe it's going to happen in five minutes. And it just, it overtakes you, especially in the beginning. And you can get through that. But in the very beginning, it is, it is, a, it is a wet, heavy blanket that just lays over you constantly. And the first time you go to sleep with that thought, as, as a parent, I actually thought, well, I guess maybe I just don't sleep as much anymore. And for a couple of years, Kevin, like I was like a superhero of that. I, I actually thought at one point, like, I'm, I'm the one human being who can only needs to sleep four hours. I'm fine. And then now, like I said, my daughter has had type 1 diabetes since 2006. It's 2015 now. It caught up to me in such a big, bad way about a year ago that... I was living my life with my family and saying things and having reactions to things that I, I cognitively knew wasn't me. Like I was like, I don't respond to things like this, you know, yeah. but I was just so beyond exhausted that I think I could have possibly been clinically exhausted and just not having to step up out of my bed and walk across my house to see what my daughter's blood sugar is changed my life. It might've saved my life. And now a year into it, I'm finding new ways to use it where I'm actually getting large chunks of sleep that I was not getting before. So um, that's why I think people who have Android phones are like, please give it to me. You, you know? We will. Yeah. It's, 
it, it, it's resources and timing and the agency, but we will get it to, we'll get it out for Gen 5. You know, the follow app is available on Android now. Yes. Yeah, I did see that. The follow app is available. The share app, the sharing app for an Android platform is not going to come until we release Gen 5 Android, and that'll be four to six months after we do Gen 5 for iOS. So that, that those are the plans right now. So I've, I basically have two more questions for you. One of them is pretty serious, and one of them is kind of forward-thinking. So um, this is not something that I'm involved in personally, so I don't know a lot about the trials and tribulations of this, but Medicare and Medicaid and glucose sensor technology don't seem to go together very well. Um, for people who are on it and for older people who I would imagine really could use it. Um, oh. And what what is there any motion in, in that world that you're aware of or that you could talk about? Uh, you bet. I'd be happy to talk about that. The Medicaid programs are separate. We handle those states individually. And we've got somewhere between 10 and 15 states approved or pending approval in the next six months. Mm-hmm. We've made some progress on the Medicaid front and particularly – with what's happened in our healthcare system politically recently, more and more children are going to Medicaid programs. Mm-hmm. In fact, I got a note that I grew up in Idaho. The first Idaho Medicaid patient was covered this week. Oh, that's wonderful. And I got a note saying how, and it's a it's a three year old kid, <laughs> I believe. So that that's fabulous. Medicare is a different issue, um, and we are work. This is being worked at on a number of fronts. Politically, there's a coalition of all of the diabetes companies, Medtronic, Dexcom, J&J, Abbott, Roche. We are all involved. There's legislation. There are bills in Congress that may or may not ever get passed. That being said, we're also working on the administrative front through CMS. And CMS's first pass at CGM was this is only a safety device because you still have to stick your finger to dose insulin. So we're not going to create a product category for this because it there's no reason to. It's for safety and we're not going to cover it. Would you, you know? like to send one of those people to live in my house for 48 hours? You know, yeah. I would. Yeah. And it's even, and you know what? It's even worse for the older ones. Ironically, our most loyal patient base are the over 50s mm-hmm. because they've got to a point in their lives where if they don't use this, they're going to die. Yeah. And so one of the things CMS asked for was a device claim that says you can dose insulin off this device. And so we have been working vigorously. You can look at our public statements with the FDA as a standalone company to get that type of labeling for our device. And I think, you know, we talked about to the public in our earnings calls, we'd like to, we've pretty much got the clinical work we have to do before and after that labeling scoped out with the agency. We think we can get that type of labeling next year Mm -hmm. and then go for the claim with CMS to try and create the product category. Dexcom has hired probably the best person in the world dealing with these political groups. She used to work with Terry Gregg, our chairman, and myself at Minimed. She's the one who got pumps approved for Medicare. So we are working to do that, and believe me. So I'll tell you a story of a 70-year-old man. I heard this story when I was traveling. He moved to a small town in Utah to take care of his parents who were in their 90s. (laughs) But his diabetes is so bad that he crashed the car several times and driving around town, his driver license got taken away, and his parents put cameras in every room of his house to see if he was going to fall down. So the doctor put him on CGM, and after not many months, I saw his weekly reading not too long after that, not one minute spent below 60. 
and he's hypoglycemia unaware. He's not aware. Right. He's got his driver's license back subject to CGM, and he's now been able to help his 90-plus-year-old parents rather than them take care of him. I think this population desperately needs the technology, and I think they could use it very well. And we will keep pushing because it, it, it is very important. Yeah. I agree. Crazy. It's crazy that there's a way to see inside what your body's doing, especially with diabetes, especially with, you know, people who use insulin and that we're, we're acting like that's not a necessity. I, that, that really is, it's not. So, okay. Well, um, so just, uh, I know there's probably things you can't say because you're, you're a publicly held company and things, but forward thinking is a lot, a lot of what people wanted to know about. They wanted to know what was what what you thought was going to be the next leap they want to know about pump integration they want to know about things like that that are really going to affect their lives it seemed like they're time-wise within grasp um and 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 i mean i would say that you know going back years and years and years like i remember the first the announcement like oh dexcom and omnipod are getting together and i was so happy and then i remember the announcement oh dexcom and omnipod aren't together anymore and i was crushed and then they were together again and so I realize it's a lot of business, but is there something on the horizon that, that you can tangibly say is is something we could look forward to? I think I think people are looking well, for something to look forward to. You know, the most tangible thing is the transmitter going straight to the phone, mm-hmm. and that'll be out soon. With respect to the pump relationships, you know, Tandem is, is projecting a launch uh, before the end of the year of an integrated system. And here's here's the issue with these pumps, and I will be I, I'll be very candid with you. We've been spending research money at a rate higher than almost all the pump companies put together, and so from a technology perspective, it's hard for them to keep up with us. We believe that that we know that Animus is making big investments. Insulet just changed their management group out, and, and we really like the new people, and we believe that they're willing to work with us. But engineering-wise, for example, you're an Omnipod user. Yes. That radio in the Omnipod doesn't talk to anything other than the PDM. Right. It doesn't talk to a phone. It doesn't talk to a transmitter. It doesn't talk to anything. The pump companies have to make some commitments. That being said... I think Animus is spending a lot more money than they spent before. Tandem is is pushing the envelope a little bit. There's a couple of exciting pump startup companies, Bigfoot Biomedical, which is the oldest Asante, but acquired by some guys who are only focused on an integrated system yeah. that that does insulin delivery. Ed Damiano showed the conceptual design of his pump that delivers glucagon and insulin. And Ed is a very determined person. It'll be interesting to watch him. We have a lot of pump relationships that that show promise. We have a a very willing FDA. We do need to get the pump guys to push it. And I'll be honest with you, I've challenged them all. I've challenged them publicly on our earnings calls. You guys need to go faster. And, and, And from Dexcom, the way we look at this is... We have so much to do over the next few years that we will continue to make this sensor communicate better, calibrate less, keep our accuracy and reliability, make the footprint smaller. But I think over the two or three time period, we as a company need a pump company to step up. If not, we may have to make other decisions. I don't want to get into the insulin delivery business right now. Right. And and that's not our goal. And we will support these partners and go, there is all sorts of research groups who have done great research on algorithms to control insulin delivery. Well, if, if, 
If you could speak to those pump companies, and I'm sure you've said this to them, like, what's the onus for them? Like, in your mind, what's the reason for them not to just go? I, I can tell it to you in dollars and cents. Yeah. If you look at the financial results of all the pump companies outside Medtronic over the past years, it's a pretty big accumulated loss. And that business model has yet to be shown for pumps that you can build a business around it and make money. On the CGM side, while we continue to lose money for accounting purposes because of a bunch of non-cash charges, the fact is we've turned the corner from a cash flow perspective, and our business model has shown that it's sustainable and it, it can work. We strategically spend more to bring new technology to market. And, and to continue to advance the science. Someday our investors will put pressure on us to make more money, and hopefully that'll be enough years out that we'll get the technology where we need it to be and, and we'll be fine, and that's certainly our senior plan. But the pump business model's been a tough one. It really has. You've got two public comp companies in tandem and insulin, and you look at their financials and they're kind of scary. No, I know. And, and so it's, it's frightening because as a person who, you know, you know, I, I hang how I live my life on that company. I need them to do well. I I said to someone the, I said to someone the other day. I, I said when when Dexcom does well, my daughter does well. You know that that's the fact. I need you guys to stay in business. So they need to spend well, money and resources to get out of this middling game they're in and get into the real into the and real get game. into the real thing. Yeah, and and. and, and, and and I'm speaking to my employees on, on Monday. We go through our planning sessions here in August. And I was at Minimed when we launched the first Paradigm Pump, and I have one of the first ones off the line at home in my desk. Mm -hmm. And if you compared what it looks like to today's, yeah, it's not a whole lot different. Yeah, that scares me. And, uh, and, and that's a little scary. And see, they're the only ones who make money. Yeah, and in the past you could you could blame the FDA, and you were probably ninety percent right. But now the FDA, you guys have really proved. The yeah, they really. Can't blame the FDA. Yeah, they, and you know what? If you blame the FDA, then you're dealing with them wrong. I, I they have been they have been a wonderful partner for us. Excellent. And, and they treat us fairly. When we propose something that they're not going to approve, they tell us, "Don't do that. Yep. That's not going to work." That's wonderful. It's been it's been very good. Well, so uh, it's been a collaborative relationship with them, and they'll get the pumps there. Well, we're about out of time because I got a one o'clock. Kevin, thank you, you for, for your interest in calling, and I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, I would love to do this again, and I want to thank you, especially because they told me a half an hour, and we've been recording for fifty-seven minutes. So you were you were a real mentor. I I, I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking so again. So now, are you putting the whole thing on the whole? Just interview? like this. Way I won't edit it or anything, and you'd be surprised the way podcasting is really grabbing a hold of of the public. People like to sit and listen like they're listening in on a phone call. And uh, yeah, there's no reason to chop this up. I just it was a great conversation, and I think people would enjoy hearing it. Well, thank you. No, Kevin, thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye bye. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. I genuinely hope that you found this interesting. If you are enjoying the podcast, first and foremost, share it with a friend, um, help spread the word. If you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and leave a rating and a review because it helps the podcast be more searchable and findable by more people uh, like you. I don't also think that findable is a word, but don't let that stop you from leaving a rating and a review on iTunes and sharing with your friends. We're going to get back to it pretty quickly. Um, you know, we're getting into school time now. September's coming up. I've got a lot of great interviews and conversations already recorded and a lot's coming, including the announcement as I kind of let the 
kind of let it slip in the middle of the episode here, but we'll be announcing a sponsor very soon, which is extremely exciting for a, a small podcast like this. If you want to find me on social media, I'm at Juicebox Podcast or at Arden's Day pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, my type 1 diabetes blog is at Arden'sDay.com. And you can listen to all these episodes at JuiceboxPodcast.com on Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever podcasts are available. <laughs>